I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello everybody and welcome to episode two, week two, season two of the Got Culture Game of Thrones recap. Now because we've got to do a lot of weeks of this, I have come up with a jingle. Oh! Now, are you familiar with Transformers? The original Transformers song? Yeah. Right, so what I'm going to do is, I'm going to do Got Culture, but like uh-huh. Transformers, and I need you two to join in with that bit, and then I'll do the next bit. Okay? Got it. So, ready, ready? Okay. Got Culture! Game of Thrones is nice. There we go. Welcome to Got Culture, everybody. Very good. Maybe more of those weeks on weeks on weeks on weeks. Now, this is season two. We are recapping because there is only, count them, Six weeks to go-ish, depending on when this goes out, until Game of Thrones, the final season, arrives in our eyes, our ears, our mouths, probably our rectums. Now, boys, season two, in James's words, the bad season. He said that. He said that before we came on, didn't he? I didn't think it was the bad season. Why do you hate season two? Well, that's just... There, you see? You can hang them on. Um, No, I don't dislike season two. I think it's a really good season, still, but Mm -hmm. just... One of the weaker ones. In the context of the quality of the show, it, it doesn't quite deliver. Yeah, the weaker seasons yeah, for me are two, five, and seven. Um, Ooh. Just, you know, to go off on one now. Um, one of the reasons I think season two is weaker is because it's kind of like a transitional season, which five and seven have a bit as well. And there's just so many characters coming in, so much mm. world building. Yeah. And, the, you know, that's important for later down the line, but it doesn't necessarily mean as strong a season. Well, we'll get into all the ins and outs of it, but the core here... The main narrative thrust of season two is that the Starks have declared war on the Lannisters. Rob is king of the north and they've captured Jamie and Rob's this amazing general who knew out of nowhere. But at the same time, the Stark children are being held sort of in King's Landing. Sansa's having a very, very bad time. Ooh. Joffrey really emerges as a quality character. Yeah. In, yeah. Well, not, you know, you know yeah. what I mean. Very early on in season two, Cersei just realises, oh, I have no control over him anymore. <laughs> when it, when she slaps him and he goes, I could have you killed for that now. I've spoke to my mother like that before. Let's, <laughs> let's none of us around this table pretend we haven't. Um, what, what was the best thing about season two for you? Like the, was it the war? Was it the subplots? Was it the emergence of the characters? You said there's a lot of new characters brought in. What is the, the main thing that stands out in your mind? Fire. Fire. Wildfire. <laughs> Call me a pyromaniac, but that bit <laughs> with the ships and the wildfire whoa, always gets me a little bit excited, that. I'm glad you've got your notes, because the last week we did this, you were like, oh, yeah. the, 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 all was, the thrones and the games and stuff. I was chatting to, uh, I was chatting to James about uh, season three earlier on this week, and I forgot what the Unsullied were called and just called them, that army with no dicks. So I've made a few notes this <laughs> what week. What everybody else calls them. Um, I think it's quite interesting this season, because I did say 
We'll come back. I realise I haven't asked you the question. I just asked yeah. Robert. We'll come back to that. When I when we did season one, when I sort of recapped and watched a few bits back, I couldn't believe how long ago that felt. How mm. it felt like a completely different show. But yet, I was expecting season two to feel like that. But when I was watching it, I was like, no, this is sure. I thought this was all like in the middle. This is all yeah. four and five, isn't it? So I've, my perception of time with this show. Sorry, go on. What was your answer? <laughs> Um, I don't even know what the question was now. <laughs> what stands out to you most when you think back about um, season two? I'm with Will Bond, it is Blackwater and kind of the build up to that and then, you know, things go boom and the screen <laughs> and uh, yeah. We'll get to Blackwater specifically because I've got a couple of questions I want to mm-hmm. ask you about that. But James, you said a lot of new characters are introduced yeah. in this. Who in particular do you think has the best introduction? Or possibly not the best, certainly but, the one who, the, the most important character. Uh, oh, I mean, I think, you know, you've got Pod for Willavon over there. Yeah. Um, Marjorie becomes very important. Brienne still really important. Uh, Brienne, yeah. Stannis and uh, Davos come into it. So that was another thing. I could, like I, Sandra. I thought like um, Marjorie came in way way late. Yeah, I couldn't believe she was introduced in season two. Yeah, just, everybody's been around forever, haven't they? <laughs> <laughs> well, not for much longer. No, not for yeah. much longer. Uh, yeah, Melisandre, I think has arguably the most memorable. Uh, moments in season two of, of a new character. Mm-hmm. I distinctly remember when when Stannis impregnates her, and then obviously the what's I don't know what's it's got an official name. The evil spirit the, that goes the, and can, kills Renly, the shadow baby, the shadow the shadow baby, smoke baby, yeah. the vagina terror. I, I remember that distinctly <clears throat> watching it the first time around because it was when I was blitzing all of the mm-hmm. second season. And my housemate at the time came home and said, oh, what are you watching? And I was like, oh, it's Game of Thrones. I'm watching it to catch up in time for, I think it was season five or whatever it was. And he went, oh, I've never watched this. I'll watch a bit. And it was literally the moment yeah. she birthed the smoke nice. baby. And I don't know if that's the best or the worst introduction to Game of Thrones. Has the show ever quite gone back to that level of just, like, not to say horror, perfectly right. natural thing, just. but just, <laughs> it, it, in a way, it did peak with her we- birthing a ghost baby after getting nailed over a table. Yeah, it's never quite. I think it, it gets a bit of a point. it gets a bit of a reputation for scenes like that, but it hasn't really done them since 2012. So, yeah. Fun fact about that scene: I've been to those caves. Oh, I. Um, and there's a photo of me pretending to give birth in those <laughs> caves. <laughs> that will be displayed on screen and uh, never. Um, yeah, it's just. We should tweet that out though. I mean, you should tweet that out if you've got it. I do have it. There but... you go. Um, yeah, you've completely thrown me now. I've got this mental <laughs> image of the ghost baby. Because the reason he burst the ghost baby is because he wants to kill Marjorie's brother, whose name escapes me. No, he wants to kill his own brother. That, oh, God, yeah. yeah Marjorie's, Ma- it's Marjorie's husband, yeah. even though... Renly. Renly. And then, God, yeah, the webs we weave in this yeah. show. Um, yeah, he wants to kill because then he's got the take for the throne. Yeah. This is effectively the war of the f- five kings. Five kings yeah. God, why have I got my notes like you? <laughs> um... Do we read? Does it really feel like that, or does it very much in season two just feel like Lannisters versus Starks? Um, I think it starts to, especially by the end. You know, it's bubbling up more mm. with Stannis coming into it, because um, obviously it's Stannis v Joffrey for Blackwater. But I think at the beginning it's still the focus. You're thinking, oh, this is this is Rob's war. This is Rob's mm. war against the Lannisters. Mm. He could team up with Renly, and they could then take over. And obviously, then Renly goes, and yeah, he, he goes. Yes. Murdered by the scary Mar- vagina murdered, ghost. Murdered yes. by a, yeah. After, after uh, Marjorie offers to bring her brother in to help him impregnate <laughs> yes. her. I remember that scene. It's quite, yeah. I mean, our brother to come in here to, you know, give you a hand. Again, is there a reputation the show's earned from season two that has never <laughs> properly quite been lived up to? Um, again, one of the nice contrasts we have here is that you caught up on everything like I did, mm. but you watched it all at the time. Yeah. Um, 
Can you just sort of discuss between yourselves for a minute the difference between doing this week by week, not knowing where any of it's going to go, and sort of the difference between, you know, you know all these characters go on for... I mean, because, you know, you know they're in other seasons mm. and stuff, and you sort of roughly know which direction the plot... Certainly what it's building to, anyway. Mm. What's, the, um, what's, the, what's the shared experience you have or don't have? Uh, this transition I found from moving from, yeah, there's all these episodes to watch, to you're only allowed one a week. Yeah. Um, the obvious one is, of course... You want, half the time you watch, especially in the early seasons, you watch and you go, oh my God, I want to find out what happened next. And I just could. Presumably for you, you had a lot more time to sort of allow it to percolate and think about all the potential ramifications of everything that happened. Percolate. <laughs> percolate. Yeah. Where did you that from? Book club's paying off, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> the uh, word of the day toilet paper. paper. Yeah. Um, but then also, uh, yeah, I found that not only was it you were desperate to find out what happened, <clears> but also arguably for me, the stakes weren't as high mm-hmm. because, like uh, Adam says, some people I sort of knew through advertising or through whatever, even if they're in a bit of a sticky situation, I was like, well, they've been adver- I've seen them advertised yeah. for season five or whatever. But what was that like for you? Yeah, it's obviously very different because you just, you just don't know. Like, you know, you watch The Shadow Baby come out and you're like, what was that? What happened? And there's no one to tell you. Shadow Baby, mate. Like, unless you like go read like book spoilers, like you just you don't know. And then like, had you know. read all the books prior to watching the show, or did you no, sort of do it concurrently? Um, so I watched season one and two, mm-hmm. and that's when I started reading the books. After that, interesting. When did you get them all finished? Before, um, before season five, I think. Wow, yeah. commitment. What's nice. that like? <laughs> uh, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> Jesus, hey. So, Aaron, you watched the show when it was pretty bang on accurate with the books, and then as by the time you finished reading the books, the show was starting to die. Yeah, so Jesus, that must have been absolutely it's, crazy. It's, mm. It worked quite well because you get like kind of two different storytelling experiences, mm. so it's kind of it's kind of more interesting in a sense. But. Uh, the war is obviously the main thing that runs through the thing. Obviously, we get the main thing that runs through the thing. Mm. You can tell I'm presenting this really early in the morning. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> we've from, also from, got. From I know I'm trying. The problem is again with this. It gets it stays hot for too long. So I made this yeah. ten minutes ago because I had the lid on. I'm still just like oh, tiny, tiny little sips of scalding lava. Um, we have all the stuff going on in King's Landing. Joffrey sort of emerges as a character. We get a lot more of Sansa. How well do you think the show balances the whole like the size and the spectacle and the grittiness of this war with sort of the comfortable living and the internal politics and the sort of soap opera in King's Landing? Did it feel equal or did it feel like did it feel jarring at all? Um, no, I think it does a pretty good job, especially when you start like, like towards the riots of King's Landing and stuff mm. like that, and um, you know they try to take like try to rape Sansa basically. Um, so I think they do a good balance of showing kind of what the the small folk are doing and how mm. they're like rebelling a bit. I'm, glad <laughs> right. you, I'm really glad you went first because I was going to say, yeah, all the like death and stuff is a nice bit of spice to the boring <laughs> politics side of things. And oh, bloody hell, here we are in calf. Yeah, we're all rich here. It's pretty nice, isn't it? But yeah, I think you probably put it a little bit better there. Yeah, the the... the Impending doom for almost every character is a nice <laughs> reminder every now and again. You think, oh, get on with this. King's Landing, mm-hmm. Westo, West, Westos? Westeros is obviously the main focal point in the thing. But we also get John going north of the wall for the very first time. He sort of meets the wildlings. That. It sort of opens up the world a lot more yeah. in, season, in season two. What did you make of the whole sort of like beyond the wall aspect of it? Did it feel... Like it was part of the same show to you? Did it feel? Did it hold your interest as well as it does in later seasons? Um, I think it held me interest. It does. It does feel different mm. um, because it's like this setting. We just you've seen nothing like it really. It's just like these snowy vistas, and you're meeting very different kinds of characters. Because even say the Starks and the Lannisters have different views. They're still of the same mm. like realm. They still follow broadly the same rules. But then you meet the Wildlings. 
who are just unlike anyone else we've mm. met so far. So it does kind of go off in its own direction, really. But I really enjoy when they cut back and forth to them freezing their asses off, having no food, and then it cuts to calf, and they're obviously <laughs> yeah. just living the best life ever. But yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed the stuff north of the wall as much as I hated Craster. Yeah, that's his name. <laughs> Craster and all his bloody daughters and giving his uh, sons away to the... Yeah, yeah it's a horrible, horrible God, is season two the, the most rank season? Well, I, one, thing I, okay. one thing I noted down, because I remembered watching it, because I watched it like last week, and I, uh, one thing you've probably forgotten is the rat bucket thing when they're in Harren Hall. So they're torturing oh, people, yeah. and they put a bucket on someone's chest, and you think, what they do with a rat on? And you go, well, that's not going to do much good. And then they put a, yeah. a torch underneath it, and the rat just burrows through someone's chest. And that's just like a daily occurrence there. They're, they're questioning people. No one knows anything, so they just kill them with a rat in a bucket. Uh, we also get the White Walkers in season two. Probably yeah. the first... I mean, as they are briefly alluded to in season one, but as we discussed last week, they're kind of forgotten about, yeah. really. You can, it's very easy to forget they're a thing, but then, lo and behold, in season mm. two, they're they're a mystical force. They're there. They're sort of... You know, you get a scale of the threat they pose or the number or how wicked and mystical and evil and cold they are, but mm. they are there. Well, right at the end of season two, you suddenly think... Oh, bloody hell, everything yeah. I've been watching is kind of unimportant compared to this mm. massive army that they've got now coming that uh, Sam obviously sees right at the very end. But yeah, you have this the glimpse of uh, of him when he leaves the baby, obviously, mm. to just, just sacrifice to the to the Night King. But um, yeah, you, you don't realise how inconsequential mm. everything is until you really see that last image at the end of season two and you suddenly think, yeah... Maybe concentrate less on fighting with each other and forming all these armies and worry about what's beyond the wall. We're still, f- like, five seasons before mm. that actually becomes a thing. Like, just to, I'm hesitant to do big, overarching questions about the entire show, mm. but I want to ask you this anyway. Do you think the slow build of them as a threat in the show is well done, or do you think it's too slow? Um, no, I think it's well done, because I think people want to focus on the politics and mm. the wars between the families. And then every season or so often, they just give you this little reminder of, yeah, this is coming. And then you kind of they do enough, to, like so you forget about it, and you go back to the Starks and Lannisters, and then you get to somewhere like Hardhome, and you've kind of, you know the White Walkers exist, but you haven't really paid that much attention to them. And then all hell breaks loose, and I think it's much more effective because of that. Yeah, I really like it as a, as a little every now and again reminder, because you can go a good couple of episodes where you get heavily invested in the minutiae of, of, of people facing off against each other. The, you know, the, the little politics of, like you say, of who's going to sit on the Iron Throne or whatever, or people, you know, Theon betraying Rob. And then every now and again... especially as we go further and further uh, forward throughout the seasons, it's just like, by the way, this really doesn't matter. If you're worried about this one character maybe being, you know, know, Tyrion no longer being the Hand of the King or whatever, it's really not that important in the whole grand scheme of things (laughs) because don't forget about these guys. We actually do get Tyrion finally back in King's Landing in this season after his misadventures with Bronn all over the place. And Mm -hmm. you sort of finally see the the conflict between him and Cersei and between him and Joffrey. Is that did it does it get any better than this? Or for Tyrion? No, like for oh. the for the, the power triangle Lannister um, problem. Maybe not. I think this is definitely Tyrion's probably my favourite Tyrion season. Mm-hmm. I think he maybe has better moments down the line, like when you get to see his big speech in season four. Mm-hmm. But across the whole season, I, Tyrion is incredible. Um the way he manipulates everyone, that scene where he's telling Varys Littlefinger and Pycelle where 
Marcelo's gonna go. Yeah. Um, that is like, when I think of Tyrion, that is what I like remember. When they cut off his beard. Yeah. Master Pycelle's beard. Yeah, I really like him then. He's, <clears throat> him in the Battle of the Blackwater is an obvious thing to yeah. point to, but... We shall, we shall get to the Battle of the Blackwater. It's a real, real moment for me. But yeah, it, it was nice when he came back and like Tywin's giving him the role of Hand of the King. You think, hey... Hey, maybe things are looking up for him. And then, no, his dad turns up and goes, yeah, sod all that. Get him out of the, the, you know, his nice room, put him in this little hut or whatever. So it's it's the peak. But in terms of, yeah, in terms of the family politics, mm-hmm. I'd say this season and maybe the, the following season are the most where they're sort of at odds with each other. How important does Tywin feel this season? Because I, I do, all my strongest Tywin memories are involving <clears throat> him when he sort of basically takes over the war effectively yeah. for Joffrey when he wins the war for Joffrey but here it's not we're not quite there with that yet he's very much still sort of the retired head of the family mm-hmm. so sort of overseeing advising things like that but he's still Tywin you forget he's a bastard in parts of season yeah. two like when he's got Arya as his cupbearer and he's just sort of having a chat and going oh don't worry actually I'm not oh, gonna the tension this. in that I'm not gonna I'm not gonna finish this bit of chicken do you want it and she's just got like a knife going Shall I just stab him in the throat? Will this, you know, will I be able to do this? And I think it's season two. Yeah, season two when is when Littlefinger comes to visit as well. Yeah. And so yeah, yeah. the tension there mm-hmm. of not just Arya and her going, I'm the I'm the cupbearer for the guy who's on the list, the kill list, uh, but also suddenly, oh good, Littlefinger's here, and I really hope he doesn't notice. It's not even the ki- drinks out for it's him. not even the kill list. It's the man who's waging war against my family, mm. of and which I am the daughter. Yeah. And he's, he's nice to her. He's a really nice guy, to be fair. I actually, if there's one storyline I could have back, and they would give more time to flesh out, I would love to have done more Tywin Arya stuff. I, I mean, I know if it's just Arya oh, the Hound and all this, but I yeah. honestly thought that the, he obviously sees like. The potential in it, because we don't know at that point mm-hmm. that Arya is going to become, you know, this master assassin, this incredibly devious weapon of war. Obviously, I think Tywin must see that potential in her somewhere, and I think maybe that's what that's about. Given effectively, his children are all. He had one son who was a great warrior, then this conniving evil daughter, and then Tyrion. You know what I mean? So he must obviously look at Arya as perhaps one of the children he wished he'd had. I think he basically says that, doesn't he? He says, I wish some of my children would take after you when he, she talks to, talk to him and sort of gives away her position a little <laughs> bit from being like a cupbearer to suddenly knowing strategy and stuff with when it comes to war and, and taking out your enemies. But Has anyone got a good Tywin impression, by the way? No. That's rubbish, that. <laughs> Do you? Bring me my cup. <laughs> Christ I, almighty. I haven't practiced that. Are you, yeah. you no guess? way. No. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wow. Nice. Yeah. 
What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Sure. Uh, meanwhile, over the river in Essos, Daenerys is having an absolute nightmare. Probably the, as bad as things get for her in this season. Well, certainly over the course of a season, mm. she's uh, she's without a Dothraki. She's uh, being, well, I don't know. She's basically just biding her time, waiting for death. Nice thing, yeah. Effectively waiting for death. People are trying to steal her dragons. It's not going particularly well. Um, as part as the character development for her goes, how important is this season? Crucial, I think. I think you really see her go from. We saw her last season go from being. As I mentioned, someone who's just there for her brother to take the throne to, to developing as, as, as you know leader of the Dothraki. But this one is where she's really tested. Obviously, she's out there. She's got what's left of the people who support her. They're going to die in the desert somewhere. <clears throat> then they go to Karth. Everyone's trying to marry her. Every yeah, everyone is it Daxos, the rich git. Who yeah. just who just got I've got loads of money in this vault. Don't look inside it, but <laughs> there's, trust me, there's loads of money in there. Um, there's that, and it it feels like her. Um, yeah, she's always got an eye to, 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 you know, to returning and taking the throne. But it feels like she's just getting bogged down in a lot of things here. And then obviously the dragons are taken. Where are my dragons? And then the, con- the conclusion to that storyline just reminds you of like, oh, yeah, she's a badass. Like that moment when she goes to the House of the Undying and she's tested. Mm. And, she, you know, she has all the, the flashbacks or whatever you want to call them uh, and decides that, no, she's not going to stay. She's going to go and mm. achieve her purpose. And then obviously... Dracaris. Does she go through the biggest character change in this season out of everybody? Uh, oh, I don't know. I do, I, I do I, genuinely feel who Daenerys is at the start of season two is the furthest removed from who she is at the end. It's either her or Theon. Theon Theon's not a bad show. Theon you yeah. forget about because Theon initially is obviously at Rob's side, is sent off, sent home to get ships, goes back to his family, finger blasts his sister. <laughs> Um, on a horse. On a horse. Weird flex, but... <laughs> Weird flex, okay. but okay. Um, obviously, all he wants is his dad's approval, who could not care nah. less. Uh, he goes, he takes uh, Winterfell, betrays Rob, kills... As you sh- uh, That was another thing where, you know, you mentioned earlier about thinking, thing. I never thought Brandon and Rickon were dead because I knew elements of it were still mm. being hinted at. But yeah, there's that moment where I think it's the end of one of the episodes. There's just the two charred mm. bodies being hung up, and inst- I mean, presumably for you, that must have been like, oh, yeah, two more, on. two is more that, Stark kids. Is are that, there. Uh, but obviously, in the in the mindset you must have been in watching season two, two burned alive children. Ah, it's just not really. It's not normal now. No isn't big it? thing, is it? But, um, not like they were like having giant, terrifying black ghosts come out. Yeah, of that's it. <laughs> fannies. Once you've seen that, once you've seen that, you've seen it all. Um, but yeah, to go back to Daenerys, I think it is a big change, but I also don't think the storyline's very well done. I think this is one of maybe the weakest stories the show's done as a whole. Go on. I think it's so meandering, like... It's like it oh, gets, it does very much feel like It gets like to a, an important point at the end, mm. and even that, I have some slight issues with because of how they do the House of Undying stuff. But it's just, it's really kind of boring. What issues do you have with the House of the Undying stuff? 
Mostly just how much they cut from their books. Go on, oh, fill, okay, fill yeah. us in. Fill, fill us in, because this is just about drinkable now. Ooh. Um, <laughs> just in the books, it's a lot more about prophecy, and she sees far more. Um, oh, right. So it goes back to, like, and you see flashes of the Mad King, you see flashes of Rhaegar, there's stuff about, like, you see Rhaegar's death, and he whispers, like, a woman's name. Um, and then you see, like, there's a shot of, like, the wall and this blue flower growing out of it, which is, like, signifying John and Lyanna and Rhaegar. There's foreshadowing of the Red Wedding. There's just so much stuff about prophecy and foreshadowing. There's foreshadowing of the Red Wedding? Yeah. What? Yeah, there's, like, you see, like, a feast with, like, cups and stuff, and, like, all the wedding guests, like, killed. And, like, that's in, like, book two. So you're like, well, that's this. God. And then... Wow. Um, so, yeah, I feel like it's just got a lot more to it. Um, and in the show, it was kind of like, here's some nice imagery, but doesn't quite have that same level of weight. I have a question for you both. Mm-hmm. And I know exactly, <laughs> it comes with a caveat. Right. What is your favorite episode of season two that isn't Blackwater? It's uh. <laughs> uh, a good question. If I, if I rephrase that, it makes it easier. What is your favorite moment in season two, which isn't the Battle of the Blackwater? Three blasts, of th- two blasts of a horn, three blasts of a horn. I thought you were going to say, finger blast of <laughs> no, assist. No, no. Um, either the conversation between Tywin and Arya, mm-hmm. um, or the one I mentioned earlier where Tyrion's playing Littlefinger Varys and mm-hmm. Pycelle. I nearly just said, oh, uh, Tyrion's speech at the Battle of the Blackwater, which obviously would not be allowed. <laughs> no, that's part of the Battle of the Blackwater. Yeah, obviously. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to go with, if I'm not allowed any fire, uh, I'm going to go with the the... The moment where this oh this, there's the one blast that's that's uh thing you could, they're they're coming back no no it's two blasts it's wildlings <laughs> third blast run I, th- I just love that moment and then they just leave Sam in the dust basically bye yeah. I'm gonna we haven't touched on this yet my favorite stuff is the sort I don't know if we call it a dynamic but kind of the implications how important the small moment <clears throat> between Catelyn and Jamie is where <clears throat> she secretly frees him for our daughters because this is the prize capture I mean other than Tywin you could not capture a a bigger prisoner in that war and they've got Jaime Lannister but they've also got her two daughters Mm -hmm. now she has no guarantees whatsoever that if he gets to King's Landing he'll do anything other than just behead his two children it's just Littlefinger being a git again you know what I mean but yet she frees him like she gives away the Stark's biggest bargaining chip on a wing and a prayer and it's Catelyn Stark. You're not an idiot. You know what I mean? It's Catelyn Stark. Yeah, this, you can see it. You can see, you can justify what she's done for a variety of ways. If you're a fan of Rob's, you're obviously furious as he was and he knows that he can't do what he'd do to literally anyone else who'd, who'd freed him. I oh, murder them. Yeah. Um, but in her eyes, A, yes, they've got her children. Um, Littlefinger lies and basically says, yeah, they're alive and well. Don't worry, just send him back and you'll get him back. But it's also, arguably, you. she doesn't really have a choice either because she either sends him or just moves him elsewhere because that moment where he kills the fellow prisoner and they're, they're up in arms and they just want to kill him. And I think I think Brienne of Tarth says uh, he won't last the night, basically. And that's the moment when she's like, well, yeah. we may as well take a punt on this one. <laughs> yeah, I think Rob and Catelyn both make a lot of mistakes here and they both need a lot of blame for what happens because Rob obviously breaks his marriage pact to House Free mm. and marries Tilly Seth. That, that doesn't come back to bite him at any yeah, point. Yeah, no, no, so, no, that's yeah. fine. Um, and, you know, you probably see that and Catelyn's thinking, ah, oh, this is not going to end well. Mm. Um, he's not listening to us, so if I do this, maybe this is my only chance, but yeah, then you are he, letting Jimmy Lannister go, so... It when does kind of get... says, oh, I don't want to marry Walder Frey's daughter, and I just go, 
Well, you probably should. <laughs> it's just, it kind of gets glossed over because of how much goes on afterwards. But the, the seedlings of the Red Wedding and the way the war goes and so much stuff that lasts three, four, five seasons later just comes from a few small decisions. Yeah. Rob Stark, who doesn't even live into these seasons, makes in season two. Now, I know you said season two feels a bit like a, a, a placeholder season. Things are sort of treading water, but a lot of things happen which have huge implications for the rest of the show. Is it? Do you find it a bit of a placeholder? Sorry, to get to before we get to that, because a lot of the battles are off. You don't see them. And obviously, in later se- seasons, we've seen all the battles in their bloody glory. <laughs> but it's like, oh, we're going to go to have a battle. Cut to immediately post battle, or a load of dead people, and then actually they've realised that they just sacrificed men so they could capture um, Jamie. Of course. Um, no, I mean, I wouldn't really say it's a placeholder. I'd say it's more just because it's like setting things in transition for the payoffs in say three and three. Ah. Season three and four at this point, and just means season two doesn't quite work as well. And later down the line, looking back now, it is stronger because you know where it's all building to. But at the time, I don't think you quite get that. Right, I'm going to do it now. Let's talk about the Battle of the Blackwater. Was this the moment that the show established itself as like unmissable, must watch Hollywood TV? No. Go on. I don't think that happened until the Red Wedding. I think that's. I still think the Red Wedding is the moment something really turned like culturally with Game of Thrones. Um, Blackwater is incredible and maybe, you know, gave the show a boost, but I still don't think it was quite mm-hmm. where the Red Wedding took it. For me, it was arguably the first moment where I became more aware of Game of Thrones outside of, you know, mates just saying, oh, we watch you. Game of Thrones is really good because it was the, you know, the like the gif of the yeah. ship exploding and all that. I saw that everywhere and kind of thought... What's this all about? This looks pretty good. I never, re- I, did, I don't know. I still don't really know to this day why I didn't start watching then. But yeah, I think it was the moment I became a lot more aware of it. And then obviously, because it's one of those things where if even if you're not watching a TV show, there's people referring to it or paying homage to it. Where mm. where you suddenly go, oh, everyone's kind of talking about this. I should probably get on this. And that was for me was the Battle of the Blackwater. Do you remember the first time I really sort of not. Didn't start watching, obviously I didn't start watching until much later when I got all the, all the DVDs and stuff, but the first time I became aware of it as a big cultural thing, I was flicking uh, through a load of channels and I saw my mate Sam Parker, who's at Esquire now I think, on Sky One, talking mm. about something on TV and I was like, Hell's, why's Sam on TV? And he was doing a Game of Thrones, like best moments ever mm. thing for Sky One, it was like him, Grace Dent, Lord of the people. I was like, the hell's Sam? And I was messing, I was like, you're on Sky One? He's like, oh yeah, yeah, just do stuff about Game of Thrones. And I was like, I should watch that at some point. Smash cut to me begging you for all <laughs> yeah. the DVDs in this office a few years later. Um, yeah, I was for me. I think that sort of feels when I started watching it back when I got when you did give me all the DVDs. That was, I think, the wildfire moment was the part I was like, yeah, this is legit. This, this is, I can see what this is all about now. Because before that, it had been interesting. It had held my attention. It had me intrigued. But after that, I was like, do you know what? This is absolutely <laughs> brilliant. Yeah, really, really enjoy it. The 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 battle itself is obviously great, but the the tease of the wildfire beforehand. Yeah. When, see, I think Tyrion, Tyrion goes in and says, "You're not going to be waking, making wildfire for them anymore. You're going to be making it mm-hmm. for me." And obviously, I sort of knew where that was going to go at that point. But it's a, a, you just suddenly like, "Oh, you're in trouble, Stanny." <laughs> I asked this on the last episode. Whose season is this? I think I said Tyrion last season. You did. And I'm going to say Tyrion again. Tyrion season again. I'm going to go with Tyrion. I can't remember who I said last season, but I'm going to say... You said Joffrey. Yeah. 
Probably Tyrion. I think Joffrey is already sort of more solidified in this one, and he's a bit of a bitch in the Battle of Blackwater. Yeah. So Tyrion season. Favorite yeah. character. Tyrion. <laughs> Tyrion or Arya. It's Tywin for me in this one. Yeah. I really started to get a bit of a sense of. I mean, I mean, my favorite character is Bronn in every single season. But for the purposes of this podcast, Tywin for me really started to feel like a big deal. I was like mm-hmm. looking forward to his scenes more than anybody else's. I just, whether that's just the dialogue that uh, Charles Darnes delivers it with. Well, is, he does. Uh, he does have like the moment of Cersei's there, ready to kill her children with the what was it, the potion she yeah. gets given. Literally, she's there about, God, don't worry, it'll all be fine, just drink this. And then in he comes on a horse uh, into the, you know, to mm-hmm. save the day along with the Tyrells, obviously. No, but no, 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 Tyrion's, Tyrion's season, yeah, Tyrion, yeah. I mean, despite the fact he yeah. nearly dies yeah. at the yeah, Battle yeah, of Blackwater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah but he, he wins that pod battle. Pod season, actually, <laughs> pod saves Tyrion, so it's pod season. Oh, of course. <laughs> Every season's pod season to you, isn't it? Yeah, even season one. It's season two, no. Not in season one. I know, yeah. It still is. The anticipation. Pod's coming. (laughs) Season two is Pod. Season three, he's got a magic dick. So there we go. Anything that you think people don't remember about season two? The things you think people miss? Because when I sort of was recapping, there was, as I say, there's a couple of things I'm always like, oh my God, I can't believe that was season two. And like you say, the the fact that he can't just kill his own mother for releasing Jamie. Like a few really important things people completely forget about with season two. Well, a big moment in Arya's story, which I completely forgot that this happened in season two, is Jack and Hagar. When she meets Jack and Hagar for the first time. Um, Obviously, she frees him when they get, get, the party gets attacked. Um, And then she offers him the names. She gives him his own name so that she can help, he can help them escape and what have you. He's just great in that season. I really like Jack and Hagar. Yeah, he peaked in that season, I think. That's yeah, it was, a bit, it was a bit. Yeah. The whole Jack and Hagar thing was a bit tedious later on, but it was so such an unknowable then, such a really yeah. intriguing. Qual- Do you have any theories about it when you first saw it? Because obviously before you started the books, um, not myself, but I, I know like there was a lot of people saying like Cyril Pharrell with Jack and Hagar and stuff. That was a big one mm-hmm. back in the day, and um, that was probably the biggest about him. I think there's loads of theories about. Jacking her guard, being other people, and yeah, some theories like, about. Oh, he's, he's Ned Stark. He's this guy. He's that guy. He's, nah, he's, he's yeah, gone that's a, now. That's, that's a point. Did you feel <laughs> Ned's absence in this because he was the biggest star of season one? He was the mm. central character. Most of the episodes sort of rotated around yeah. him. He was the, probably the biggest name cast member mm. as well. And then season two comes around. <laughs> he's not in it. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like doing season two of the X Files without David Duchovny. Mm. Don't know why it's the first example that came into my head. <laughs> it's like doing season two of Friends without Gunther. It's just the biggest character <laughs> gone. Obviously, did, um, it, did he feel missed? Weirdly, I don't think he did. Oh, I don't think um, he did either. I think they do a great job, especially because like, you've got the Stark storyline continues so strongly mm-hmm. with Rob that you don't really you realize you don't really need Ned there, although he's a great character. Mm-hmm. You can feel his influence on other yeah. people, can't you? Like, there's, I mean. Sans is obviously very helpless in season two, uh, for large point, large parts. But beyond that, yeah, the influence he's had on Rob, on Theon, even mm. as well. When obviously he goes home, but then obviously on Arya to look after herself. Yeah, I, 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 he's not missed, but he is. He's represented, I suppose, is the best mm-hmm. way of putting it. Favorite moment. I mean the Battle of Blackwater. If we're not if if we're not going to go with the the moment of the wildfire, I love uh, Tyrion's speech. Uh, Those are brave men. Shrit it down. <laughs> Let's go kill them. Well, that's quite good, that yeah, James. Um, again, I think the moment he's highlighted there from Blackwater. The only other one I'd add is when the Hound turns on Joffrey, and you kind of go F to the him. King. F the King. Um, that's a great character moment. Just that whole episode, though. It's. 
every little character moment in that episode is just perfect. It's just that, like, when he goes out there and he's before the battle, he basically says, you know, the hand this is just say if I see it, man, I'm gonna kill you know, yeah. blah 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 blah. <clears throat> and then the and there's a the loads of guys. He obviously sees the wildfire. And then there's people running at him who are on fire, which I imagine <laughs> is literally his worst nightmare. Yeah. And he goes, yeah, yeah, you know what, sod this. Give me some wine, I'm out of here. I'm trying to think what mine is. I think it might actually be the very end where the the army of the, mm. the whites walks yeah. past Sam because all of a sudden, now, you've watched the whole season. It's about a war. It's about a political drama. It's a family drama. And then at the end of that, you're like, oh, God, yeah, there's so much more than that. That brought me back for season three, very comfortably. Uh, boys, unless there's anything else you really want to add about season two. No. Where does it rank for you overall? Because I know you said it was a transition. Uh, I would say fifth so far. Okay. Uh, I, I Battle of Black Wars, it sticks more in my head. So I think the, the first few episodes where stuff does happen, but it just sticks more in your head. Yeah, fourth probably. There's there's far better seasons than it, but it, it's a... It's an important one, obviously, yeah. for the development. Of I suppose the later seasons, you can argue, are better because they've kind of got all the other yeah, stuff out of the way of, mm. like, here's the red woman, here's what she can do, here's so-and-so. Yeah. It's now just, let's just get on with it. Yes, far better seasons, which we'll be discussing week on week on week on week right here on God Culture. Culture. Game of Thrones is nice. Anyway, thank you very much for joining <laughs> us. We have been Adam Wilborn. You can get him on Twitter. At Adam Wilborn. James Hunt, you can get him on Twitter. At James Hunt 182. And I've been Adam Cleary. You can get me on Twitter. At Adam Cleary, C-L-E-R-Y. We are all what culture? G-O-T, which you will have to make an effort to actually start using now. Yeah. The show's coming back in just a matter of weeks. Let oh. us know what you made of all this, though, as well as what your favourite season two moments are in the comments below. And, of course, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. In the meantime, thank you very much for watching. We've been Adam, Adam and James, and we will see you soon. Bye. 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 Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.